Good evening, I'm James Briarton from Charlotte. It is March the 25th, 2020, and as the coronavirus outbreak continues to grow across much of the country, we're seeing some very interesting things unfold. We learned today that Waffle House has had to close over 400 of their restaurants across the country, and as you know, they have a very large presence here in the Southeast. Well, they've activated their Waffle House Index. It's something we've talked about before on the show, and you're going to learn all about it coming up in just a moment. But long story short, what Waffle House does in their Storm Operations Center in Atlanta is track which of their restaurants are open, closed, or somewhere in between operating on a limited menu. They activate it a lot due to weather events, such as a hurricane, and it's used to track the community response to a crisis. Well, now that is being used to track the community response to the coronavirus outbreak. Many of their restaurants do still remain open, just like the ones here in North Carolina and South Carolina, although they're, of course, only doing takeout because of those orders by both the North Carolina and South Carolina governors last week to close restaurant dining halls. But again, uh, Waffle House has had to close over about 400 of their restaurants, as have some other local and national brands due to a variety of reasons. And we thought it was uh, pertinent to re revisit our 2019 interview with Pat Warner from Waffle House. And now our interview was largely talking about how their operations center operates during weather events such as a hurricane, but it'll give you a little bit of an insight into what that company's doing right now to track not only their assets, but also the responsiveness and the healthiness of their communities that they serve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, January 9th, 2019 edition of our little weather get-together. Happy New Year. Thank you uh, for joining us over the past couple of weeks, watching some of our uh, pre-recorded shows and our year in review. We hope you enjoyed that. We're happy to be back for uh, the 2019 year, and we are starting it off with a bang tonight. We have Pat Warner. He is the Director of Public Relations at Waffle House. We're going to be talking about the Waffle House Storm Index. Uh, this really became a, a story here in the Carolinas as uh, Hurricane Florence moved ashore on the North Carolina coast, so you probably remember hearing about that. We're going to go in-depth tonight and talk about the uh, Waffle House Index and how Waffle House prepares uh, for major uh, disasters like this. So we'd love for you to interact with us tonight. You can do that one of many different ways. You can uh, follow us on Facebook Live or our Periscope. All you have to do is drop a question or a comment in the uh, comment section. We will monitor those throughout the show. And if you're watching on our Facebook, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on our YouTube page, you also uh, can drop any questions there. And if you're listening on the podcast version, we will um, end the show where uh, you can find some information and uh, get some contact info if you maybe have a question about uh, what we discussed tonight. So uh, this is show number 260, and we're happy to have uh, Pat Warner on with you. Let me do a little introduction here before we get into the show tonight. Um, after a major disaster, first responders rush in to help. But after the rescues, those who remain need food. That's where restaurants like the Waffle House comes in. Famous for their 24-hour breakfast food, the Southern Chain is also known for keeping its grills on, even when the rest of the town is in the dark. 
In 2011, the federal government introduced the world to the Waffle House test, also known as the Waffle House Index. FEMA began to use the simple test to determine how quickly a community might be able to get up and running again after the disaster, hence the Waffle House test. So here's how it works. The government tracks which restaurants are open, which are closed, and which are running with a limited menu. Uh, they even go as far as to map them. This act is also a formal method to measure a storm's impacts in, its in the communities. Uh, this happened here in the Carolinas during Hurricane Florence. Tweets from reporters along the Carolina coast captured the lifeline uh, provided by Waffle House and the severity of the storm as the few restaurants were forced to close, a rarity for the chain. So how does this all work and how does the company do it? I would like for you to welcome to the Carolina Weather Group, Waffle House Director of Public Relations and External Affairs, Pat Warner. Welcome, Pat, to the show. We're happy to have you. And, uh, Pat, we were talking before the show, you're fresh off a trip to uh, Panama City where uh, you were just down there monitoring the uh, recovery acts from uh, Hurricane Michael. That's right. I just got back a little while ago. Thanks for having me on the show and I appreciate uh, hanging out with you all tonight and, and talking a little bit about the Waffle House Index. Yeah, you're right. We're down in Panama City. Uh, for a few days, kind of checking in on the recovery efforts down there. It's still uh, still pretty tough down there. Uh, a lot of the damage in into the city. A lot of trees are still down. A lot of folks still don't, don't have a place to live, and that, that's what we're finding with our folks down there. So uh, I was down there for about three days and, and just got back, and back here in Georgia, and all the air with you guys. Yeah, we were looking forward to uh, hearing about the Waffle House in, uh, Index and how you guys prepare for the storms. And uh, we definitely want to get into uh, maybe some of the stories that you've been able to uh, to uh, uh, remember from uh, previous hurricanes. But before we do that, it's kind of a generic question we ask all of our first-time guests is, how? what's your career path? How did you uh, get to what you're doing right now at the Waffle House? Uh, not too exciting of a story. My wife and I moved to Atlanta, and uh, Waffle House was uh, fortunate, or, or however you want to think about it. Uh, they hired me about 20 years ago uh, to come into the communications department, and I've, I've been there ever since. Uh, uh, before that, we lived up in Kentucky, and I, I, I did some uh, TV up there, uh, sports and programming and production, and that's where my wife and I met. But like I said, we, we moved, moved down to Atlanta in 1999, and I was fortunate to land at Waffle House. I always do it every show. Forget to unmute my mic. We uh, we always talk about, you know, you, we were talking before the show, you really didn't have the weather bug, but since being in this position, uh, you've been able to uh, follow the weather a lot clo uh, more closely. Yeah, right. Yeah, like we were talking about, I was, I was a sportscaster, so we used to make fun of the weather guys because uh, they had the easiest job in the world in television. They come in late, they watch the weather channel, rip some stuff off the wire, go on and, you know, point. Uh, but, yeah, when I got to Waffle House, I realized uh, – it affects so much of our business that we're always monitoring the weather. We're always looking at forecasts. We actually have some resources within the company that sends out reports to the entire company forecasting what it's going to be for the week, what it's going to be for the weekend. Because uh, really, uh, no, no matter what the weather is, it really impacts how many people come through the door, uh, whether it's a hurricane or just a afternoon shower. Uh, and in Atlanta, if it's an afternoon shower, then you can have uh, horrendous traffic. Uh, so each market is really monitoring that weather, and, and it really impacts how, how we perform each day. 
Yeah, that, that's something we wanted to talk to you uh, to you about, Pat. How do you guys monitor the weather? You were talking about maybe from your average everyday summer afternoon to maybe a bigger snowstorm or a hurricane moving into the area. So how do you guys do it? Uh, what resources do you guys use? And is it a team effort or is it maybe just one or two of you guys? Uh, explain how that process goes. Well, really, uh, pretty much everyone in management that runs the restaurants, we call that our operations team. Uh, they're monitoring the weather, you know, nowadays with the apps. Uh, they're, they're monitoring their local weather. They're, they're monitoring the national weather. Here at the office, back here at the, our headquarters are in Norcross, Georgia. We, we monitor for the whole system. And we have uh, it, it, we, we have a, a gentleman by the name of Matt Stark, and he, uh, he helps us put together what's going on out there in the weather. That's not his full-time job. He's actually in our purchasing department. And he's he's dealing with uh, coffee future forecasts and things like that during the day, and then we say his night job is he's doing the weather forecast for us. So he 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 kind of keeps us all abreast and and gives us the early warning if there is a storm. Uh, when it comes to hurricane season, he is really monitoring it, and and we start monitoring the storms even before they're a, a tropical depression, just because we have to uh, see how they are developed, where they're going, so we can have our all of our resources and the time needed to get our resources together to respond. So tell us about, you know, what is uh, what is it like, you know, in, in the Waffle House Storm Center? You know, when I first saw that tweet come out, we were like, oh, my God, that that is the best job of meteorology. Um, so so what is, what is that like? What kind of personnel is in there and, and, and how does that get spun up? Is that something you have all the time or is that just for events? No, we, we activate when there's a, a major storm or a major event. Uh, and so the, the Storm Center for us. It's really a conference room, and we just bring in some uh, extra technology and equipment, mainly so we can all get around the table, and it, it, it's the easy communication. Like I said, we all have day jobs, and then when we activate on the storm team, we all have uh, additional jobs. We have one gentleman that's kind of runs the storm center, and and really for us, it is uh, we we call it a storm center, not a command center, because our leadership's in the field. Our uh, Executive vice presidents are in the field already, so they're the ones really calling the shots when the storm. Our CEO will be on the ground. Our chairman was at both hurricanes this year, so our leadership's in the field, and we're more back in the office, giving them more of the situational awareness of what's going on, uh, and and helping them with what resources they need. So we kind of marshal those resources. So that's really what's going on in that room. So we have uh, obviously uh, uh, Will Mizell is the guy who heads it up. He's kind of our quarterback. We have a couple of folks in there from our purchasing team. Uh, they're the ones that are working with our suppliers to get the food in. Uh, we have typically one or two dedicated resources on uh, lodging because we're going to bring in a lot of folks and we got to put them up somewhere. And so they're they're dealing with the lodging. We'll have uh, somebody from our social media is in there because they're monitoring the storm through social media and also feeding out information. We also have folks in there from our construction team and uh, from what we call our people team. Uh, and they, they kind of, the people team handle the, uh, you know, after the storm, what are the needs of our associates down there? Do we need to put them up? Do we need to bring in, uh, supplies for them? Uh, and so all that's around that table and we're all kind of there, uh, for the duration of the storm. And, and it's mainly there to support the folks out in the field because they're the ones really doing the heavy lifting, uh, in different roles through the, uh, my years of the company, I have been on some of the jump teams. Uh, and been going to the hurricanes. My role now, I'm, I'm more back at the storm center. Uh, I, I say it's, I always compare it, it, it's better at the storm center because I can 
eventually come home to my bed here in Lawrenceville, but the satisfaction you get is out in the field because you, you see the impact you're having and the people are very, uh, are very appreciative. And then really my role throughout the storm is I'm the one that's uh, connecting with the state, federal and local agencies, uh, get sharing information and also getting information from them. And then also like y'all, y'all alluded to, uh, we get a lot of press attention. So I, I take care of that back in Atlanta. So our folks in the field, they can focus on the important stuff. Uh, not that the press isn't important, but they can focus on get the restaurants open and taking care of our people. That's a great segue, Pat. Um, that was going to lead into my question was how you integrate with the local community and, and local emergency management crews to let them know you're going to be there uh, supporting the local Waffle Houses in those locations. Um, how is your reach expansive enough along the coast to cover all these areas or how do you do this? Is this like a massive support regionally or, or you pull from all around to, to get these places open and provide food for everyone or how does it work? Yeah, good question. Well, on, on the agency side, we work uh, locally because uh, really what impacts us the most is those local decisions on the curfews and the evacuations. And those are made locally by the county executive uh, in Louisiana that has a parish presidents uh, or the county executives or the sheriff. They're the ones making those decisions locally. So we try to build those relationships up now. We're actually doing that now in the pre-season of, of hurricane season. So we can uh, already have that conversation with them after the storm hits. Hopefully we don't have to have that conversation, but we already know each other. We work with the health departments. Uh, we share with them our plan so they so they know before the storm, here's our plan for operating a restaurant under a boil water advisory. Here's what we're going to do if there's no water. Here's what, you know, so they, they see the plans. So we do a lot of that beforehand. Then myself and some others from the office will meet with the state and uh, uh, FEMA, both in uh, D.C. and then their office here in Atlanta and their office in Denton, Texas, uh, for the regional offices. So we're in contact with them a lot uh, throughout, just mainly to build those relationships up before you need them. Uh, that way you've already, you know, you've already talked to them and you already know each other. A great example of that was uh, Hurricane Isaac many, many years ago. I, I was on the jump team that went into New Orleans and I was in a restaurant and one of the restaurant were helping out. Uh, they needed the dishes washed. So I was washing the dishes there at the high counter. I looked up and there's a lady with the clipboard. She's the local health inspector. And I was like, oh, great. You know, whew. That's the last thing you want to see. So I went and got the manager. Manager comes out. They knew each other by the first name. They hugged. They checked on each other's family. And so they'd already had that relationship built up uh, before the storm. And so we try to do that in, in, in all of our locations uh, locally. So we have those local relationships uh, solid before the storm. And then as it, you're talking about the logistical side of it, it's really twofold. We have what we call our operations teams of the folks that run the restaurants. They're in the restaurants every day already. We will bring in uh, restaurant operators from outside the market to help out, stage them in a safe place so they can get there right after the storm blows through. Uh, and typically, we bring them from two states over because, uh, the, let's say, you know, it's going to hit in uh, North Carolina. Well, everybody's going to evacuate to South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. So we don't need to pull those people out of their market because they're going to be busy. So we'll, we'll pull people from further out and, and stage them. And they will come in and help uh, get the restaurants back open. A lot of times they, they are running the restaurants for the local restaurant operator because those first few days after the storm, that local restaurant operators really focused on their people, checking on them, making sure they're okay, uh, seeing what they need. A lot of times our folks are like, you know, I'm ready to work, you know, send me in coach. And, and so they're, they're really coordinating that. So we bring in the outside resources to help them get back up on their feet. And then we also have resources from our construction department that stage and they come in right after the storm to help uh, triage the restaurants, look at the damage, 
Uh, we also have some other folks from the corporate office that come in. We typically bring in a somebody who's a, a from our training department who's an expert in food safety. That's really important. So they're they are there on site. Like I said, our senior leadership's there. We'll sometimes bring in uh, security if we set up uh, if if we have to set up a lot of generators. We have to set up a fuel depot, and if you set up a fuel depot, you need security because everybody knows where the fuel is if they can't get it. Uh, we're also giving fuel to our associates, so we truck in big tankers of, of fuel for the generators and our people. So uh, it it really kind of scales up depending on how big the storm is. And as the storm gets bigger, then we're going to have more resources going uh, into the storm. Uh, and unfortunately or fortunately, we, we've experienced a lot of storms. Uh, really, our first big storm we responded to was Hugo. Uh, and so ever since then, we've been responding to storms and learning from that. And, and every year, even after uh, we're, we're in the process right now, after Florence and Michael, we have probably close to 50 to 60 different things we're going to tweak. Just because we had, we do a, a a a big after action with our operators and everybody involved, say what could we done better? What did we learn from this storm? Uh, so that that's a big part of our process too. Is that is that post mortem after the storm? So that that's the process we're in now. Very good, and I remember Hugo very well. And it's nice to know you guys have had this many years to be seasoned and experienced in this kind of thing. So. Uh, with that, uh, thank you for your, all of those answers. It answered a lot of details for me. I know that, that was great. Uh, I'm going to pass off to Evan now. He's got a question, I think, about the index. I think we're going to move into that portion. Yeah. So, you know, Scotty had alluded earlier that uh, this index is created by FEMA. But when did that happen? Uh, I know it's been around for some years. You mentioned Hugo. Um, has it been as late or as far back as Hugo that it was first created? Um, or is really, it been? The, the true Waffle House Index, we credit former FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate. He's the one that came up with it actually when he was the emergency manager in the state of Florida in 2004. They were hit with a few storms, and, and he kind of came up with it and used it as a, a informal uh, way to, to judge the storm. And, and what he would tell people is, tell his people is, after the storm drive, if the Waffle House is open on full power, keep driving. If the Waffle House is on a limited menu you need you know there's limited resources in that area keep driving and basically drive till you find the first waffle house that's closed because that's where it's really the, the worst and you work your way back when he was uh named fema administrator that came up in his hearings in front of the senate and the wall street journal did a big story on it and then that's really when the waffle house index took off and a lot of people were really paying attention to us uh, we, we we say we, we love the attention, we appreciate the attention, but also there's a lot of pressure because now people are watching us. Uh, I we're in 25 states. We're not in 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 the nation, but I got calls from reporters about our response to the California wildfires. We don't have any restaurants in California, uh, but they just we're synonymous with crisis response. They just assumed if we if we had restaurants, we were doing something. So that really took off and uh, really. Craig Fugate really uh, helped FEMA's culture get more private-public partnership. Before then, we kind of did our thing, and and the 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 public sector did their thing. He really kind of brought it together because he really saw the importance of working together. And we're blessed that we get the attention, but there's a lot of great companies out there with with great storm response, and, and FEMA listens to all of us. Uh, you, know, you have Walmart, you have Home Depot, you have Lowe's, you have Walgreens is incredible. Publix, uh, 
uh, a lot of organizations uh, have this similar response. And really what FEMA uses, they, they get that data from all of us. So they see that if we're open and there's a Walmart open and a public's open, they don't need to put uh, a, a supply center right there. They can use that resource and put that someplace else. And uh, they have really done a lot to engage the private sector. That has that has moved to the states and local agencies too. So FEMA now has, uh, whenever there's a storm activated, um, whenever there's a storm, they activate what's called the National Business Emergency Operations Center, where we all can join. And I'm I'm plugged into them here in Norcross, but we can share information with them in real time, and also with other companies. So I can talk to the other companies that are responding too. So they have really done a great job. We're, we're fortunate that the spotlight's on us a lot. Uh, we'll we'll take it. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of companies that are doing a lot of good things for their communities, and and FEMA really has locked into that. And and I think that it kind of boils down to the Waffle House Index. But there, there's a lot of good going out there with with the private sector companies. You mentioned that there's those the three levels of the index. I think uh, open, limited, and closed. Uh, how do they? I mean, how is that incorporated in uh, you know, their website and how they deal with outreach across the southeast when there's a hurricane or something like that? Yeah, other companies are more sophisticated than we are. I I send them an Excel spreadsheet twice a day, <laughs> and they have to incorporate it in, and 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 they create a map that has all the uh, all the all the private sectors on there. there. There's others that are more uh, tech savvy than we are, but we still do the old fashioned Excel spreadsheet and share that with them. Uh, and, and it's funny there uh, in, in the last, uh, in the current administration and, and the past administration, we didn't get that spreadsheet in on time. And it was funny because we, uh, we, we got a call saying that both President Obama and President Trump are waiting to see the status of the Waffle House restaurants, which that blew our minds because we're thinking, you know, they should be focused on more important things. But uh, we can just say them, you know, yes, President Trump, they're serving bacon. We're good. Uh, but but so uh, we're updating in real time in that uh, uh, National Business Emergency Operations Center. But, I, but we send them twice a day of, of open, closed update, which ones are on generator. We actually get in more detail because they, they want to know which ones are on generator, which ones are on boil water, things like that. So it, it's a pretty, pretty big spreadsheet. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for answering my questions. Yeah, Pat. So I got a question here. Uh, is there any coordination done with? I know you talked about uh, you know building the partnerships with local and local municipalities, local municipalities and such before an event, which is extremely important. Now, once once you know an event starts, like you know Hurricane Florence or Hurricane Michael, what is uh, the usual, I guess, game plan for for your response? You know, not just with local but regional and federal assets. I mean, did they did they got did they call you up and say, hey, we could use you over here? Or, you know, how does that work? Yeah, really, we're kind of uh, more independent than that. We, we just let them know which restaurants we're opening up uh, because because that's the best thing we can do. Uh, we do set up a lot of times before storms coming with power companies, the National Guard, local municipalities where we will uh, cater them. They, they'll come by in the morning and pick up, you know, so many breakfasts or lunch. Uh, so that, that usually happens as that storm's coming on. And, and we have some relationships already built up with some of the power companies. You know, unfortunately, when you go to a lot of storms, it's everybody's everybody's driving this way on the interstate. And then we're on this side of the interstate with the same power companies and, and those people. And we're going into the storm. Uh, so we have built those relationships up, uh, which that helps us, too. If, if uh, you know, we need to get power back on quickly at a restaurant and we're feeding them, they're going to probably make sure that we get the power back on more quickly. 
so, but we, we set those up, but really we're, we're focused on those restaurants. We did twice. We, we, we have a resource that we deployed, uh, a few years ago, Baton Rouge has some bad flooding. And then just most recently in Michael in Panama city, we had two restaurants that the one in, in Baton Rouge was flooded and it was going to take a while to get reopened in Panama city within the city. There was nothing. So we actually deployed our food truck down there and set that up after the storm. And, uh, for, uh, Hurricane Michael, we set it up in front of a restaurant and, and gave away close and we gave away we gave away food and we gave away close to six thousand meals uh, just to the community just because they had no other place to eat. So uh, we will hear that sometimes, too. I, I remember the, the flooding in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. The word kind of got out that we need uh, we need uh, fresh water. So we were able to get a truck in a couple of trucks into our restaurants and then let the local authorities know, you know, come by this restaurant and we have a truck full of uh gallons of water and so we we'll listen to them and 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 see how it's going and sometimes they'll reach out to us but but most time they're they're interested in which restaurants are open and and what are we facing to get the supplies in uh, that's another big part that they want to know about so they can they can kind of help ease that up for all the private sector people oh that's, that's awesome and uh, you know i can tell you just from a personal note i spent 15 years before i you know i got into weather as a firefighter and actually you know the, you talk about the floods of 2015 in columbia i was one of the people out rescuing you know we rescued almost 200 people in the first 48 hours of that event and uh you know from from the the outpouring of support from all the business local businesses national businesses and nonprofits. so uh, you know you guys make a world of difference and just you know me personally thank you you're welcome you know we we say our responsibility for responding to storms uh, twofold. One, it's it's to our associates. Uh, if we're not open, they're not making money. It's that simple. And we feel we got a responsibility to get open quickly because they've just come through. Like the folks I was meeting with down in Panama City, they've come through some some horrendous situations where they have to repair their homes and all. So they need to get back to making money. So that that really drives us. And the second is for our customers and the community because. Because we've seen it through the years, you know, starting with Hugo, that the more quickly we can get open, the more the community comes back. If they see our signs are lit up, then we see other other businesses are starting to open. And plus, it gives folks, hey, we made it through this. We're, we're going to be OK. Uh, our goal is for more restaurants to open up. And we actually do talk to other restaurants. Uh, FEMA has invited us to speak to different seminars. And, and we're, we're open with other restaurants to, to show what we do because we we feel the faster we all get back, the better. Uh, and, and so we've done that. And in, in, in some situations we'll have a restaurant next to us, uh, a, a competitor throughout the year, but after the, the hurricane, there's no power, but we have a, a refrigerated truck on our property. We'll let them store their product in, in, in our truck. Uh, just cause, cause our, our goal is to get everybody back quickly. It, it's not just about us and, and whatever we can do to get the community back. So those are the two things that really drive us. Uh, cause people ask us why we do it. Uh, I will tell you, we don't make money off of it. We, we, we throw a lot of resources at these. Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, for example, uh, it, it was basically an island with all the flooding. And we had restaurants there. We were basically flying in people in supplies. Uh, air, we, we call it you know, an airlift. We, we brought in people in supplies for one day because we could not get trucks into Wilmington. And and that's not the most cost-effective way to run a restaurant is to staff it by flying things in. So uh, uh, short-term, we do not make a lot of money, but long-term, it pays off because people still remember us from Hugo. They remember us from the 
the the the Columbia floods. They remember us from Katrina. Uh, so the the long term long term goodwill with the community is what pays for it for us. That that's awesome. I think uh, who's up next? I think Evan. Yeah. Yeah. So stepping away from the index for a second, the houses themselves, the Waffle Houses, y'all stay open a lot uh, longer per se. Uh, in storms and most other restaurants around. Uh, I think you're pretty renowned for that, actually. How do you manage to stay open amidst, you know, some people throw out safety concerns uh, and other issues? How do you, you know, deal with that? Well, again, we're, we're in contact with, like I said, the, typically it's the county or the local governments that, that's setting those evacuations, setting the curfews. We're in contact with them. Uh, once it's a mandatory evacuation, we're not going to be open. Uh, we're not going to have anybody in harm's way. Uh, but right up until then, we'll try to stay open the best we can. And and the the deciding factor is uh, the people resource. Uh, and unfortunately, Florida gets a lot of storms. And I think, uh, to be quite honest, a lot of folks in Florida didn't think Michael was going to be that big a deal. And so a lot of our folks didn't evacuate. Uh, and and, they, and fortunately, everybody was safe uh, and, and nobody was injured. But there, there's there's some harrowing stories of, you know, they, they should have got out of there because that was a category when it hit uh but they had so many storms and uh, this is just this isn't gonna be a big deal and, and it was and i think you you face that a lot especially on, on the gulf coast when they're used to when they, there's a few storms so a lot of times we're having to get our people to leave because they don't want to uh but yeah we're, we're in contact with the counties and and, and the states on on those uh, uh evacuations and and try to monitor them very quickly and closely and we try to get our folks out of harm's way and, and stage them in the right place uh, so they can come in right after the storm. So Pat, you were talking about um, Wilmington per se. Um, when you guys are operating in a, in a storm zone, you, you have different types of menus. Um, first of all, you know, you've got to keep food cold and you know, you, maybe you can only cook certain items. So uh, if you can kind of talk to us about what those, I think there's like three different four categories of menus. Uh, can you talk to us about that and maybe what is uh, what are some of the things on those menus? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, right after the storm, I will tell you, they're going to cook what is safe. Uh, they probably haven't got the truck resupplied. Uh, we, again, not a very smart business decision. Before the, as we're tracking the storm, we will stock all the restaurants up. And we're basically betting that they're going to be okay. Uh, so we will stock the restaurants full before we evacuate. Uh, a lot of places will put a small generator on that can run the cooler, uh, and just in case we lose power. So we'll do that. And, and so really right after the storm, they're coming in the restaurant. They're, they're, if, if the food is safe, they will cook what's in the, in, in the cooler because we've we got to get rid of that food because we've got more food coming in. And then it really depends on the situation. We have... Uh, I, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll try to go through all of them. We have a menu where, let's say, that we have um, no water. So we have a menu that we have items on there that we can prepare and serve that we don't need water. We have a no power menu. We have a, an emergency menu, which is basically no power and really bad. And that's going to be basically you're going to get a cheeseburger or, or, or some scrambled eggs. Uh, I think in Wilmington, we were down to just serving two things, and but people were fine. They we basically said, "You want breakfast or lunch?" And you got eggs, or you got a you got a hamburger. Uh, and it really depends on what resources we have. And then 
once we're up and running, we might still have a limited menu just because if we're the only only thing open, we're going to have a lot of volume. So we'll, we might pare down the menu where it's just uh, uh, simple to cook items that we can get out quickly, you know, burgers and hash browns, eggs, hash browns, bacon, sausage. Well, sausage. Sorry, we don't do bacon. It takes up too much grill space. Uh, so we like to do sausage. Ham's great because it's already cooked. You just have to heat it up. Uh, so we go through our, our, our items and see what we can do. Uh, one of the things I will tell you that if it's a no water menu, we will not serve waffles. Uh, the reason is, is not, we don't need the waffles to make the waffle mix. It's the cleanup. Uh, we, we, we store our batter in one gallon, basically plastic buckets. And we realized after one storm, we had so many stacked up in the back room. And if you have no water, we're basically uh setting up you know the cajun cookers out back to boil the water to make it to wash the dishes and and we just realized it's not worth it so uh there's no waffles on the no water menu uh, mainly because of the cleanup so we we go through that and and we learned some things in this storm that we're going to tweak our menus uh and really we we allow that flexibility for those decisions to be made in the field uh some restaurants might be on this menu but right down the street they have more resources so they'll be on that this menu that that call is made in the field and we support it back at the office uh so our our operators on the ground are, are making those decisions and our goal is to get back to the full menu as quickly as possible but sometimes the, the resources don't allow us to do that so pat i think i can speak to everyone on the panel saying you're making us extremely hungry at this point um, <laughs> but as you're talking about the menu and you're talking about the limited um you know based on whether you have power you have water one of the things that kind of struck me the most in looking at some of the images that were coming out of the devastation that we saw down in bay and gulf counties um with with michael was the waffle house food truck now that was not something i've seen before i don't know if you guys if it's something new to the waffle house that you've uh, started to deploy to some of these harder hit areas could you tell us a little bit more about that yeah we, we about five years ago we got a food truck here and it's based in atlanta we have one it gets around so people think we have a lot of them, but we only have one, and it's mainly for catering. Uh, uh, it, it is book solid. Uh, it, it's amazing how many weddings they do. We have the Super Bowl coming up in Atlanta. They're already booked for all these different parties. Uh, but uh, twice we've deployed it. We, we kind of use it as a uh, part of our uh, relief effort. If we have a restaurant that's really damaged, and like we had in Panama City where we knew we weren't going to be able to open it up for weeks, maybe a month because it had some major structural damage. Uh, we, we brought it to that. We also brought it to Baton Rouge after a flood. We had a restaurant that was flooded. So we'll deploy that if, if we need that resource down there. And both in both cases, it was giving away food uh, just because both, both areas didn't have any food at all. So we, we gave away 6,000 meals down in Panama City. Uh, it was close to, I think, 900 meals a day in Baton Rouge when we did it up there. Uh, so that's just something we use it if, if, if we need that resource and luckily it's based here in Atlanta, so we can get it pretty much anywhere pretty quickly. Uh, I, I, I hear rumor we might be getting a second truck, which I'm very excited about because I, I do a lot of, uh, uh, events and community relations things. And sometimes I can't get the truck. It, it's already booked. So I, you know, and it, it's really booked. It's, it's amazing. They'll do like four or five weddings in the summer where they roll into a wedding. Uh, it, it's amazing that people have embraced that food truck. And it, it will uh, it, it has made its way up to the Carolinas. Like I say, we only have one of them, but it gets around. So people think we have a lot of them. Uh, but it, it will it will go all over the place for different events. Uh, and, and, and basically, it's uh, 
a food truck, but it has the same grill setup we have in the restaurant. So it has the two flat tops and it has the, the, the two eye burner and some waffle bakers and refrigeration. Uh, typically, we have to bring some support vehicles with it, uh, typically a refrigeration truck, especially on if we're going to be there for a while to support the truck. But we can we basically cook what we can in a restaurant out of the truck. So that, that's kind of a, a stopgap that we have to use sometimes. And so, Pat, we really enjoyed um, learning a lot about what you guys do, and um, I'm just astonished at what you guys do and, and the, uh, the the spirit that you guys given uh, given to the communities who have been affected. And, and that's where we kind of want to start to um, transition to the last part of our interview is uh, some of those stories that you've been able to hear, maybe from colleagues uh, of some of these areas. And, you know, we can talk about Michael and Harvey and Irma and uh florence and and katrina you were talking about uh is there any stories from some some of these uh major events that kind of reminisce in your mind and you're just kind of just like your jaw drops when when you hear these stories of how these communities who've been affected by this are are actually it probably brings a smile to them knowing that you guys are there there to help them yeah i think uh what what i take away from is how how you know how great our associates are I mean, it's amazing what, you know, what they've gone through. And then, you know, they're there to serve their customers. I just got back from Panama City, talked to a lot of our associates down there, what they went through. Just heard some some incredible stories of uh, one of our cooks had to walk eight miles because his his home was destroyed. And, and he was one of those that thought it wasn't going to be a big storm. And he's, he walked out and went to the local, the, the nearest restaurant. Uh we had two other uh, associates who came in from Mobile to help out on a jump team, and they were working in a restaurant, and they bonded so much with their customers. When their when their time was to go back to Mobile, the customers uh, begged them to stay, and actually one customer gave them his condo on the beach to stay in. So they're staying in this <laughs> incredible condo on the 21st floor because uh, this customer didn't want them to go back to Mobile because he had made that bond with them. They were right there after the storm. So they stay. They're actually now. I talked to them. They're going to relocate and they're going to move to Panama City now. Uh, we have some other stories of uh, folks down there uh, that just overcome a lot to uh, to do uh, to just to get that good comfort food. Uh, another great story was uh, many years ago in Oklahoma. Uh, Norman, Oklahoma, had like one week was just three incredible tornadoes. Uh, blew through and we we had a group of associates who they made it through they were fine but they knew that the restaurant was going to be busy so they got in the car and what would have taken like a five minute trip because of all the debris uh, took them about an hour to drive to this restaurant uh, and they had to talk their way through like four uh, uh, police uh, uh, barricades and they basically said, we have to get to the Waffle House because we have people wanting to eat. And, and it's just that, that that dedication blows me away for people who want to, you know, get there. And, and you know, when you think about it, it makes sense because our, our restaurants are tiny. Uh, people are in there every day and they build that connection with their server. And, and, and that happens all the time after the storm. The customers are coming to the restaurant to check in to make sure their favorite Waffle House people are okay. Then, the, then we're checking on the customers. It's really that sense of community within that little store. Uh, that goes on. And, and so uh, th- those stories are big. Uh, another story happened many, many, many years ago. Uh, we uh, we had a supplier bring, uh, I won't say their name, but they brought a truck of soft drinks in from their headquarters in Atlanta. And uh, 
they showed up and it was a truck full of soft drinks and uh they said well uh, we need to unload this and our, our folks said we, we can't unload this so somebody back here in atlanta was able to get to the ceo of this organization who called that poor truck driver who probably never met the ceo and the ceo basically said give waffle house the keys to that truck they'll give it to us when it's over and we got we got them a ride back so uh our suppliers go above and beyond uh too because because they know the impact that uh when we're open and and, and using you we need those supplies uh to get open uh, that, that that that's kind of a Lavalas legend story that that goes back a couple decades but uh it, you know uh, I've been on the jump team a few times like I said in Hurricane Isaac uh you just have families uh is their first hot meal and, and and it's very emotional and they can charge their cell phone it's the first time they've probably been in air conditioning in a couple days uh and I had family after family talking about you know this is our first meal we've, we've been eating you know canned stuff and, and they hug you and 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 it, it's amazing that since the community that little bitty shoot shoebox has but I, I think it really shines in in times like this uh every day we'd like to have that sense of family in that restaurant but it after something like a big hurricane that that's where you really rely on your family and we feel like that that family's pretty strong in that restaurant yeah that's a good point because the heat is, a, is so oppressive after these storms because it's so muggy and and humid a lot of times that you know especially after florence it's just i mean what do you do you can't you can't escape it you know i mean we're lucky if you get a cool down after a hurricane i remember after hugo it was just miserable no power it was great if you could hit a grocery store where there was some power and have that little blast of ac it was it was wonderful but uh yeah it's nice that you guys do that for everyone. Uh, yeah, a, lot, a lot of people don't realize you know typically after a, a hurricane the weather is gorgeous <laughs> i mean it's clear skies but it's hot and humid but everybody thinks you're when we come into our response after the hurricane that we're in rain and all typically after the storm blows through it's it's gorgeous weather it's, it's sunny skies but but you're right it, it's hot and and humid pat we uh we, we've had a lot of response i was just looking at some of uh, the comments um one guy in particular nick craig he said uh he was actually in the wilmington waffle house this year uh, Darren Florence was talking about his experience there, and he uh, just uh, sends his appreciation and gratitude to uh, what you guys were able to do in the Wilmington area. As we kind of uh, end up with our interview, um, one last question, talk, talking about these storm stories. I know you were able to, to go out to these different events, um, particularly here in the Carolinas. You know, we've had Matthew, and we've had Florence, and we've had the Columbia floods. <clears throat> Any um, any particular things that kind of stick out here in the Carolinas that uh, that you experienced uh, through through these recovery efforts? I remember the Columbia floods, of, especially because I've, I've I came in right after that with with that truck of water uh, and, and just the appreciation people had, and uh, it was almost it was kind of surreal as you're as you're as you're coming into something like this and you have uh, the supplies and and the truck behind you, how you know. Uh, people are excited to see you. This, this happened in Panama City. We had a restaurant that our folks got to to get open quickly, and the word got out that the restaurant was getting ready to get open. And so the parking lot was full of people cheering our folks as they showed up. And and one one of our managers said, "I felt like I was going into the big game and going through the tunnel because the the customers were outside cheering us as we got there because they needed to get the restaurant open." Uh, and uh, you know stories like that uh, another one comes to mind we had a 
uh, ice storm in Atlanta a few years ago, which, you know, the nation made fun of us because it was it was nothing, but the whole city shut down. And we had a restaurant off of uh, uh, Georgia Highway 400, and uh, it was just a district manager and a cook was the only one in this in this restaurant. But everybody had abandoned their cars on the highway and walked up the exit to that restaurant. And they were the, they were the only two people in that restaurant, and they were like, "What do we do?" Uh, and I think the customers were worried that they're going to shut down. So the customers actually got behind the counter and helped them serve other customers. So our, our two employees cooked and the other people took the orders, bust the table, wash the dishes because they couldn't, they didn't want the restaurant to shut down because that was their, that was a place they were getting warm. They were able to charge their cell phones and they were able to eat. And a lot of them stayed there for like two or three meals because they, because the whole city was, was paralyzed and they were there for like 12 hours. So that, that's another neat story uh, that happened. And then uh, on Wilmington, uh, uh, I should have sent you the link. I, I think it was uh, WRAL. Uh, the reporter and photographer were in our restaurant eating and looked up and realized that our, uh, well, first our, our corporate head of IT was on the door. Uh, we had about three executive vice presidents in their busing table. Our CEO was behind the counter and our chairman of the board was all in there at the same time. And so they, being good reporters, they grabbed their camera and did a story about that. But uh, that that story is great because that kind of shows our response that everybody's there just to get the restaurants open and and doing whatever they can uh, to uh, to 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 serve the folks there. And like I said, the the uh, the reporter was just lucky. There's another story. I think Jim Cantori was in downtown Wilmington and he walked in on a restaurant that had no power and and they were in there because they had gas. They were cooking and and he went live. He was live. Uh, and I think that's out there too. So those are two good. If, if you want to see the Waffle House Index uh, in action, uh, Google those and, and, and take a look at those. Pat, it's been fascinating to hear about this. And uh, before this show, uh, the audience, they didn't hear this, but Pat has, uh, has told us during hurricane season this upcoming year that he doesn't mind giving us some updates from time to time if it's affecting the Carolinas. So we're definitely going to take you up on that, Pat. Okay. I, I'll be there. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity you've given us tonight, a little bit of your time. Uh, just I'm a, I've always loved Waffle House, but after tonight, I love it even more. I mean, this this has been awesome, and uh, just the uh, the given spirit that you guys have for the communities affected is just amazing. And uh, I, I I know that good things are going to continue for Waffle House for what you guys are doing for the community um if any of our, our, our followers tonight uh watching live or those on the podcast version if they want to keep up with with you guys at waffle house or, or the waffle house um, storm recovery efforts is there uh, any social media pages or something they can follow to kind of keep up with the uh, the efforts yeah typically on a, on a storm we will post a lot to our, our social media uh twitter mainly uh, uh we use at waffle house news is one of our handles and of course at waffle house is, is the mothership uh, of, of all of our, our, our Twitter, but uh, we will push things out on Twitter, some on Facebook, but typically more on Twitter because uh, it's more, uh, uh, more, it's quicker to get things out. We'll do a little bit on Instagram, but if you want to follow the index, uh, follow the Waffle House News and Waffle House. That does it for this episode of the Carolina Weather Group. Please stay subscribed. We have new episodes coming out and down the pipeline very, very soon. And we want to remind you that our friends at WCNC Charlotte are hosting weekday 
at-home weather classes for you, the parents, the teachers, and the students. You can find new episodes live on their social media platforms each day at 1 o'clock, or you can, of course, watch them on demand at a time that suits you a little bit better. Today, Chris Mulcahy did experiment explaining why it rains, and uh, we've also had a presentation previously from Brad Panovich uh, doing some really cool stuff, including making a cloud in a bottle. So again, you can find those on the uh, WCNC Charlotte YouTube channel. But for now, from Charlotte, I'm James Briarton. Stay subscribed, stay weather aware, and we'll see you back here again real soon for more Carolina Weather Group.